Hello, wonderful people. Thank you for joining me on this journey of stepping up to your potential. I'm Sandra Robinson, and I'm a student of self-discovery, freely using pretty much any tool which yields results. I believe that we are the divine exploring itself. And to me, this means I need to take my opportunity to serve that mission to the best of my ability by learning how to use and express as much of my potential as I can. I invite you to learn with me and work on expressing the amazing you that is already inside. I'd like to talk today about fear. While it's both a blessing and a curse, being aware of how it can physiologically affect each of us is important to understand. Fear is a basic, root-level, hardwired emotion with the sole objective of survival. Fear is always linked to ideas of survival, however obfuscated the linkages may be. When, in a situation ruled by fear, the higher thinking centers of our minds are literally disabled. All energy is redistributed to survival reactions. The higher the level of fear, the more of the thinking mind is shut down. Looking at it from a primeval perspective, this actually makes sense. If you don't act quickly to the rustling in the grass, by the time the saber-toothed cat attacks, it's already too late. In a modern setting, this quick reaction could still mean the difference between life and death. But it's up to the waking mind to have discernment about the situation and genuine potentials so that the reactions and outcomes are still acceptable once the thinking mind comes back online. I've said this before, and I'll have an episode dedicated to this. Anger is a mask worn by fear. It works the same way in terms of turning off the thinking mind. The biggest difference between fear and anger is that anger is projected outwards and demands action. I'll reference fear primarily here, but know that anger is a very, very close cousin, if not an outright mask. Knowing that fear can shut down thinking while promoting knee-jerk reactions, you had better believe that there are those in this world who are literally counting on the fact that once you are in a fear state of mind, they can convince you of anything, and the actions inspired are not usually for the highest good of all. The overarching theme for this podcast is emotional and spiritual intelligence leading to empowerment. We can't be our best selves if we lack the tools needed to face, decipher, and leverage our emotions. Shoving them into a closet is a fool's errand, and I'll talk more about this as I get deeper in my work with dealing with shadows and projections. Considering how easy it is to inspire fear and thus control others, this is definitely an area where I have paid a lot of attention in my life. I don't really think there's a cure, but I have learned ways to manage myself in a fear state so that I can usually return to a thoughtful and intentional state of being. I personally am not a fan of being someone's pawn. That's a disempowered state and goes against my core approach to life. The story. Perhaps I've gotten jaded, but I've reached the point that when people attempt to push my buttons, my first thought, my first thought is, what is your agenda? Or what are you trying to get me to do that benefits you? For me personally, it's a lot harder to push my buttons towards anger, but both fear and anger are highly contagious emotions 
that are easily spread. Once that sticky, dense energy gets into my emotional field, it's also been hard to get rid of it. More than once, my husband has come to my rescue by grounding me and helping me purge the fear mind so that I can think again. It took me a while to finally figure out exactly how he does this so that I can back out of a fear state on my own now, and I'll share this later on. This topic has become particularly important in today's climate, which seems desperate not only for my attention, but also for my compliance. A look over the headlines of any major news outlet will illustrate this immediately. For me, learning to manage fear by being able to sort it into useful and non-useful mental bins has been vital. As Paul Selig says, there's a difference between prudence, which is useful, and fear, which is non-useful. There's one thing I seriously want you to consider. Carolyn Mace posed this question, and when I sat with it, I learned some ugly truths about myself. The question is, what does your fear give you permission to do? Remember that when we're seriously afraid or angry, thought is not on the table for survival and evolutionary reasons. So what does your fear give you permission to do? Seriously, think about this. Be real with it. Be brutally honest. No emotional exploration is ever useful if it's not honest. And I know that can be tough. Pause this podcast and sit with it for a few minutes. First and foremost, did you like what you discovered? If it was honest, it likely isn't. Denying these truths helps no one, so own and integrate the truth of them. Doing this does not in any way lessen your value or innate goodness. It actually enhances them. Why? Because owning and integrating these truths mean that these things will serve as your oh-shit moments. Those moments when you take an action that your observer self can hearken back to and say, oh shit, this may not be an action I'll be comfortable with when I'm not being controlled by fear. This is doubly true if, as emotion ebbs, you realize the fear was a lie and that you were manipulated or you followed the crowd to commit heinous acts. While I hope that we never have to face the potential that we took monstrous actions because our fear or anger got the better of us, I know that for many, it is already too late. But it's not the actions we took in the past that define us. It's the ones we choose to take next. As a person who is actively seeking to bring out the full potential of myself, I, for one, am not comfortable with this. The possibility of being manipulated, of blindly following the masses because they're doing it too, of hurting others and violating my core principle of supporting and encouraging the empowerment of those around me. I doubt I'll ever fully be free of this kind of fear as long as I'm having a human experience, but I can certainly build into myself emotional checkpoints so that I can at least stand a chance of stopping myself from becoming an unintentional monster. What checkpoints have I devised? First up has been to understand where my weak points are. I'm a rather eclectic person, and homesteading falls into my field of interest. Homesteading and prepping are not too far from each other, and I know I've certainly crossed the line between prudent and paranoid. 
My husband once pointed out that we did not need to stock 40 cans of chili. In that moment, I recognized I was behaving completely unconsciously with a fear-based food hoarding. Now that I am supremely aware of this weakness, I can keep our pantry stocked within reason and recognize when that trigger is being pushed. So understanding myself and where my own tendencies towards unconscious fear behavior lie has been very useful to recognize so that I can manage things. I know this is a weak area and likely always will be. So it's here that I have to be vigilant. Now consider yourself. Where are your fear points? What kinds of things will trigger your own fear reactions? I just gave one example, but there are definitely more. Be aware of as many as you can and keep an eye out as future ones reveal themselves. Once I'm aware of my weak points, now I get to figure out what the source of the fear is. In this example, I recognized it was a learned behavior which ultimately traced back to at least my grandmother. If I personally have never been in a situation where this behavioral response makes sense, that means I'm acting out someone else's response. In other words, an ancestrally inherited issue. If that's a new concept for you, Christina Lopes has an amazing video on just what this is and how to recognize it. Armed with understanding potential sources for this fear-induced behavior, whether it's personal or ancestral, it's a whole lot easier to live life on the prudence side of the spectrum rather than on the paranoid side. While recognizing the areas in which I have a fear-based weak point and understanding what drives it are extremely useful, that doesn't always help when I'm out in the wild. Because both fear and its aggressive sibling are so socially contagious, I've been working to recognize the language of fear-mongering. This is the language of deliberate manipulation. Even so, sometimes those incited fears slip in between the cracks of my vigilance. In my case, I have two allies that I rely on if it does make it into my fear energy field. One is my observer self. The other is a super grounded friend who has clear sight and can cut through the fear language to help ground me. You can develop your own observer self. And if you're on the path of trying to live your best self by stepping up to your potential, it's a vital skill that I highly recommend. Having that super grounded friend, though, is pretty rare and something I personally treasure. If you don't have a friend who can do this with you, or they're not currently present, here's the process. Step one, get out of the fear mind, which is a future state of what if, and get into the now mind by taking a deep, slow breath in, hold it for a count of five, and then slowly exhale for count of seven. This process actually forces a physiological response that has nothing to do with the mind and everything to do with the body itself. I do this as often as I need to in order to think clearly and calmly enough to answer the next questions. Once the rational mind is somewhat restored because we're in a present state and not that future state, these are the questions to be asked. Know that if any of these questions trigger another physiological escalation of the emotions, pause and do this deliberate, slow breathing. Now that's key, is to take a slow breath in, hold it, and breathe out more slowly than you breathed in. So you basically breathe in for a count of five, hold it for five, breathe out for a count of seven. That's the key. 
The first few times may be hard, but it gets easier as you and your body learn the process. Step two. These are the questions that I ask as calmly as I possibly can manage in the moment. One. Where did this fear come from? That would be, who told me what I'm reacting to? Sometimes just recognizing that the source is suspect is enough to knock me out of it completely. The second question, do you know where they got the information that they're basing their statements on? Here again, if someone is giving fear-based rhetoric sourced on rumors or apocalyptic thinking, this too can help me put things into perspective. If someone is quoting science, now I can start to assess the sources and use discernment to see if the science is solid or suspect or being interpreted correctly. The third question, what is the agenda of the person who told me this? So far, this one has been the final nail in the coffin. If the agenda is born out of someone's honest desire to help, I can at least love that motive, even if I elect not to pick up what they're putting down. But if the agenda is born out of trying to manipulate me into voting the way they want or buying what they're selling, well, I don't know about you, but I rather dislike discovering that I'm being blatantly manipulated for someone else's gain. So far, these three questions have been enough to kick me out of the fear state of mind and put me back into rational thinking that is capable of actually discerning things. I have these questions written down, and if my husband is not around to speak to, when I feel like fear is starting to sweep me away, I now usually have enough presence of mind to start on the deep, slow breathing and then ask and answer question one. I keep up the slow exhales and ask the next. The combination of the two works magic. The point. If you follow a practice in which your fears are considered and examined, then you are far less likely, not immune, to having your fears and anger sweep you away so that you become the unwitting monster. Now the question becomes, what do your unexamined fears give you permission to do? There was a 1956 sci-fi horror movie called Forbidden Planet. While the special effects certainly do not hold up, and the acting and storytelling has evolved tremendously since then, the core concept of this movie is absolutely brilliant. Through the course of the movie, we learn that once upon a time, a vastly advanced civilization called that planet home. Into the core of the planet, they built a machine which allowed them to manifest anything they wanted. The question that the lead scientist had was what happened to them? Invisible monsters began in plaguing the investigative crew, killing people and causing havoc. Towards the end of the movie, the lead scientist figures it out but he does so only after he's been in the machine long enough that his knowledge of the fate of the long-dead ancient race comes because he sees his own fate. In the dramatic climax, he is killed by the invisible monsters, and with his dying breath, he proclaims monsters from the id. The beings who had the ability to manifest their wants and desires immediately had overlooked that there was a subconscious aspect of their mind and it was the machine-generated invisible energy monsters that were projections from their own subconscious selves, ruled by fear, that ultimately killed them all. 
And that is what our unexamined fears give us permission to do. Destroy anything which we perceive as the cause of our fear. Be aware of the monsters from the id. Step up and own these things so you have the option of recognizing when the monsters start coming out to play without your awareness. I hope you found value in today's episode. You could really help me out by liking and subscribing. The more likes and subscribes it gets, the more the inspiration of stepping up to your potential spreads. This podcast is available through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. I also post a copy on YouTube, and each episode is transcribed and available in print format on my website at steppinguptoyourpotential.com. Until next time, always remember to keep stepping up. You got this.